Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. We are asked over and over again, how do you find the right phone numbers for the properties you're trying to buy? It is pretty simple. You skip trace the owner and property address. What does that mean? What does skip trace mean? It means you go and find the contact information of the owner of a property, but you don't want to do that one time. Real estate is a numbers game and a people business. You need to work a lot of leads to find motivated sellers. We use an awesome skip trace service that you can upload a giant list of names and addresses all at once, and a few minutes later, you have a ton of phone numbers for prospecting. Visit www.dpipodcast.com forward slash skip trace. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am your host, David Dodge. Guys, remember, I feel like I say this in every podcast episode, but you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. I can't say this enough times. That's really the whole philosophy behind Discount Property Investor and our entire brand is that you are buying at a discount. And really, as a wholesaler specifically, all we're doing is we're trading convenience to the seller for a discount. And if they're not willing to give us a discount, then you shouldn't be willing to trade them convenience. The convenience that we offer is crazy and unheard of if you compare us to the traditional side of the real estate. We are the liquidity makers here, right? That's right. So today's episode, I wanna bring on a good friend of mine Alex Pardo. Alex has his own podcast, his own mastermind. He's the man. Welcome, Alex. No, thank you for having me, David. Always, uh, always a pleasure connecting with you. And it's, uh, I love doing these things. It's just fun to hop on here and talk shop and business and real estate and personal development and everything in between. So uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Can you hear me all right? Yep, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. All right, good deal. Well, let's jump in, man. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm grateful for your time. Um, so again, you, you got a lot of stuff going, you have your own podcast, you have a mastermind that's thriving, but I want to talk a little bit about some of the real estate that you're doing, some of the deals yeah. that you're working on, what kind of strategies you're using right now. And also, you know, with the recent pandemic, have you had to make any pivots or any shifts in your business? I know I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, why don't we start there? Why don't we start with the, with the pandemic and the shifts? Um, absolutely. We've had to make some shifts. And I think, uh, you know, as you know, I, I think every entrepreneur, most businesses, you, you have to adapt in order to, to succeed and to thrive. And uh, this pandemic kind of threw the entire world. Uh, forget about the U.S., but it, 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 threw, it threw a big curveball to everybody. And um, we were pretty, because of some of the, the communities and masterminds I'm plugged into, I felt like I kind of had my finger on the pulse from, from the jump, right? Um, and we quickly uh, controlled the narrative, right? From a mindset perspective, I was in constant communication with my team, constant communication with lenders, with right? With sellers uh, and everybody in between, our title company. Uh, even today, several months uh, removed, or not removed, we're still in the middle of this, but obviously it's, it's been now two months behind us. We're in this new reality. You have to make sure lines of communication are open and, um, and you have to just be transparent 
forthcoming and and uh, and be very direct with people. So yeah, we had to pivot. We had to adjust. I think uh, overnight we went from a, from a seller's market to a buyer's market. At least I'll speak to South Florida here. And um, we when we were having conversations with these buyers, we saw that they quickly within a week or two they start to tighten their buy box and their criteria. Many of our top buyers who have bought multiple properties. Uh, just became more conservative overnight. And I understood why. Uh, and they started the prices they were, they were paying, you know, 60, 90, 120 days ago, they were adjusting those prices now down about 20 to 25%. And what was interesting, David, is that the sellers didn't react nearly as quickly as the buyers, at least in our experience. Sellers 30, 45, 60 days into this were pretty much still asking what they were asking three months prior. Um, now is when we're starting sellers we're starting to see sellers become more in tune with the reality that, Hey, this is a different market and things have changed. Uh, so yeah, brother, we definitely had to pivot and adjust. Our contracts have gone up. So we're getting more contracts. The challenging part has been selling some of our contracts. So out of every four contracts we get pretty consistently, we sell off four or sell 75% of them. So we're batting somewhere between 75 and 90% as far as when we lock up a deal, it's pretty much we're finding a buyer and getting to the closing table. Now, quite honestly, it's about 50-50. So while our contracts are going up, our BC contracts have gone down. Um, we don't typically assign too often. We more double close. So we'll contract with the seller, which is the A to B transaction. And then we will uh, find a buyer and then do the, what's called the B to C transaction and we'll double close. Got it. Got it. Okay. So... I felt like I've seen similar. However, what I've done is I've basically taken some of the buyer criteria that I'm getting on the B2C side on the back end, and I've applied that towards my, my contracts. So I think I've approached it just a little differently. Um, what I've created, uh, maybe it's a beast that I've created, I don't know, but I've, I've gone in at a lower rate. So you know, when we're doing our MAO formula, and if you're new, an MAO formula is our maximum allowable offer calculator. Basically, I do it on the back of a napkin. It's um, you start with your ARV, you multiply it by 70%, you take out your repairs, you take out your wholesale fee, right? Well, just like you said, my buyers are no longer paying. Well, it's starting to come back, which is really great. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're in the ninth week, I believe, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's starting to come back. But I knew for the previous six, seven weeks that our buyers weren't paying 70% anymore. They were paying like 55 or 60 cents on the dollar. So what I did is I basically reduced my offers and it, and it also reduced the number of contracts that came in the door, mm -hmm. but it also anchored really low. So even though that I didn't get a bunch of business right away, like you said that your, your ABs have actually gone up, mine have gone down. Mm. However, what I've done is I've created a lot of leads that I've seen motivation in that we've put into the follow-up funnel and we've anchored really low. So now the hopes are to go back to those people and make better offers, but still be below the 70%. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I do. I, I do. kind of, I kind of see that coming that, that the buyers were going to be reducing their, their offers. So I just said, let's reduce ours at the same time. So we have a little bit uh, different school of thought, but either way, we're both doing deals and that's what matters, right? And there's multiple ways to skin a cat. There's I don't multiple there's ways to skin a cat. So, yeah. you know, I have a couple students um, right now that are just getting started right now, Alex. And one of the mm -hmm. things that I'm constantly talking about is just make offers, you know, just make offers. My team probably averages, I think we did the math last night. We average about three offers a day. 
um, every day. That's seven days a week. Yeah. And, you know, we're doing on a bad month, four or five deals and on a good month, you know, 10 or 12. Um, but we're making a ton of offers. So, you know, one thing I like to say is the number of offers that you make is directly correlated to the amount of money that you're going to make in this business. Mm -hmm. You make a one offer a week, well, you're, you're going to get a deal, but it might take you four months, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. six. If you yeah. start making one offer a day, you're going to get there a lot quicker. If you're making two, three, four, five offers a day, you're going to get there even quicker. So I'd imagine that you guys are making several offers a day as well. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent, man. It, it's a, it's a numbers game. This is a contact sport. Sales is a contact sport. <laughs> contact uh, sport. It really, it really is. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation just last week with somebody and they have, uh, they've been hit pretty hard by this pandemic and they, now they didn't have a season, uh, wholesale business. They were kind of earlier this year's when they started getting it off the ground and they've experienced some success, but like the, when the pandemic hit, it was almost like lights are out. Hey, I'm having a hard time moving anything. And I, the, the first question I asked was, well, how many offers have you sent in the last couple of weeks? And the answer was three. I said, that's not nearly enough. You, you got to put more out there. You know, imagine going fishing and you don't have any chum in the water. You don't have any bait in the water. Like what marketing are you doing? How many, how many opportunities do you have? So um, wholesale, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, this is a marketing business. It's a people and marketing business. Um, and you have to get really, really good at marketing. It's about generating leads, having leads come to you so that you have opportunities to send offers. Without opportunities, it's hard to send offers. And without sending offers, it's really hard to close deals. Really hard to close. You know, it's really hard to sell something when you don't have any inventory. Yeah. You know, you're, you got to have something under contract. And I love that you said that you guys closed 75 to 90%. And I love the transparency. You know, we, we're probably right there with you. I would say um, maybe even a little, maybe even closer to the 75 than the 90. Um, and, and it's okay to get a mm -hmm. property under contract and not um, make a deal out of it if you try and you did your yeah. best, right? Like I tell that to sellers all the time. I'm overly transparent. You know, I tell them, hey, we, buy, we bought 90 plus houses last year. You know, one, because we have a lot of partners that we work with, which opens up the door to them knowing that maybe a partner will fall out of line down the road and there's the transparency mm -hmm. approach. Um, but also that we try and we care, right? So when we get a property under contract, we do everything we can to either close on it ourselves or find the buyer that will close on it and make a little piece in the middle. Um, and if we can't do that, then oftentimes we're able to go back and renegotiate. But if we can't, we drop those contracts for whatever reason, or they drop us, the odds of that person getting upset with me is so low because I set the expectation from the beginning. Bingo. I'm sure you do too. I just say, listen, I'm going to do everything I can. I personally can't buy 90 houses in a year, right? I can't do that. But, but I can if I bring in a network of buyers that I work with and partner with. And I've never really had a, an, uh, a seller like, you know, question that too deeply to like get to yeah. the, to the root of wholesaling. It's more along the lines of just let me go to work for you and try to get this done. And if I can, then it's going to be a win-win. And if I can't, then we'll try to find another solution. You know, it's That's so right. rare that I call somebody and I'm like, the deal doesn't work. Sorry. Goodbye. Right. You know, it's like, let's Brother, see you what else we can do to help you. And that's, you know, this kind of leads into, I think the main point that I want to make here, Alex, is that, you know, most of the time, and this is such a crazy thing to think about, but most of the time, the house that you meet the seller at or the house, the subject house that you're working on, if you're virtual, same thing, the house in, in question here, right? Usually isn't the problem. It's something underlying, 
right? It's something right. else. And that's just kind of like a, like a, a domino in the solution to, to get that person's problem fixed. So when you can solve that problem, usually you're solving other issues. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just kind of rare to me. I would say maybe 10 to, 10 to 20% of the time, the house itself is the problem. You know, it's kind of rare. Usually it's like death, divorce, disease, job relocation, you know, something else. Yeah. Right. And, and I think one, one of the things I'll piggyback on what you're saying, and I completely agree with you, is I see too many wholesalers, too many investors stop with the first question. One of the most important questions you can ask a seller is why they might even be interested in selling that property. And too many people accept that surface level answer and then move on to the next part of their script. You got to dig deep. You know, you can't no no sale right? It's something that we kind of live by internally here. So um, if, if a homeowner is not motivated and if they're not dealing with some level of to your point, usually it's circumstantial, very rarely, I shouldn't say rarely, but more often than not, it's more circumstantial. That. Yeah, that, that's it's a not, good way to put it. Yeah. It's not necessarily like a, a property disrepair situation. Usually it's something else. It's certainly, yeah. and again, you know, I was thinking maybe 20 to 30%, something yeah, along yeah. that line, because you, yeah. you do have the foreclosures and the pre foreclosures, right? And the tax, uh, you know, the tax delinquencies and the code violations. And that's obviously property related, right? Yeah. But, but more times than not, you know, like, I don't know, maybe 60% would be a better scenario, 65%. But yeah. it's not the property, it's something else that's going on in their life. So you got to get to the core, you got to find out the reason that they're calling you or the reason that they're still on the phone if you called them and that they're giving you information about the property. And, and to me, it's like, I don't even like think that people should take sales classes when they're wholesaling. I think they should just read a couple books about making friends. You know, I don't want friends and influence friend. people. Yeah. yeah, this is a people business, right? So just make a friend, go out, ask questions, listen, you know, shut up when they're talking, listen to them, make a friend and figure out what the root cause of that problem is. And then the house can usually help them in some way, shape or form. That's I right. love it, man. I love you know it. what I think about? I think about when you go to the doctor and you know, the doctor asks, okay, so what's up, you know, why, why are you here? What's going on? And you tell the doctor, you know, Hey, my knee really hurts. The doctor doesn't just take out his, his prescription, give you a prescription, send you on your way. He'll start to examine your knee. He checks your lungs. He checks, he checks your heart. you out. He checks. Yeah. They check your vitals. Dude, it's maybe your same. knee hurts because your ass is fat. You got to get on some weight loss pill or something. Like, maybe, but it's not, it's not. Reason. I love it. Yeah. Love it. It's not a question. And then you're on your way here. Do this. And, and that's what I see too many investors and wholesalers do is, hey, why are you selling? And they're moving on to the next. Like you got to diagnose the situation and you got to figure out what the real root of the problem is so that then you can present the solution. You know what? I, I learned something valuable a long time ago. I think it was when I had Tom Curl on my show. And he was saying that if you can't get to the why, ask the when, and it will mm. reveal the why. And it's, it's something that I've kind of taken with me. And it makes so much sense. I was doing that prior, but I didn't realize I was doing it. But if you ask somebody why they need to sell their house, I mean, to me, I don't ask it right away. I usually will build a little rapport. Mm -hmm. So I don't get denied or rejected that answer too often, but sometimes you will. And you'll get people that's, that, that you'll just say, you know, hey, thanks for calling. You build a little rapport. Hey, why, why do you need to sell? You know, I'm very transparent. I tell people too that I'm an investor. I don't pay retail. However, I can help them. I can give them a crazy level of convenience. And I just yeah. need to get a discount. Doesn't have to be crazy, but I'm not going to do it for free. That's what mm -hmm. I do. I trade a discount for convenience. Um, but I'll ask them why they need to sell. And sometimes they won't want to tell me. They'll be like, well, it's not your business. 
You know, it's similar to when you say what you owe. Again, I get it out of people most of the time, but sometimes they'll say it's not your business. So what you can do to get to the why, if you ask the why and they deny you is ask when. And again, I'm going to plug Tom Kroll because he's the one who taught me this, right? So um, ask him when. So here's an example. Hey, why do you need to sell? Uh, it's not your business or, you know, don't worry about it. It's my problem, not your problem or whatever that might be. Hey, no problem. You know, not trying to get involved in your business. I just want to be able to offer you the best solution that I can. I want to help, right? So when do you need to close? You know, do you, can we close in two months or do you, do you need this money next Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you need it next? Okay, no problem. I can probably get it to you next Wednesday. I can't make you any promises, but I'm going to do my best by, you know, just, just out of curiosity. Why next Wednesday? Like, can it be next Friday? No, it's got to be next Wednesday because next Wednesday, my car's getting towed off the lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, boom. Now I just got the why, right? Yeah. Without yeah. asking it indirect, you ask it indirect. So I just think that there's a lot of great reasons to build that report because it prevents you from you know not getting those answers as well. Yeah. So I'll talk about some of the deals that you're doing if you if we can, man. I'm curious yeah, to yeah. hear about what you're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. You're in the South man. Florida market. Yeah, I'm in the Miami market. Been here since uh, starting this business in 2005. Okay. So I've been doing this 15 years. How far away from your house are you investing? Uh, we're all over Miami. So we're all over so Miami, miles every direction, basically, or yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and here and here's the thing, you know, about, about the same as me. Yeah, I mean, and and the truth is, is that I, I started buying rentals in Cleveland about two years ago, about a year and a half ago. So, um, with technology, you know, you can do deals anywhere. Now, I always recommend if people are getting started, it's it's I think it's just more convenient. It's easier when you can go out, drive the neighborhoods, get to know the market. So, always recommend people start locally. If you're if you're listening to this watching this getting started, start locally, unless you're like in just some small, tiny town with 200 people, that's a different story. But the truth of the matter is you can do this business virtually. You really can. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we do deals all over Miami. Um, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have, I have like some rock stars on my team and I have a, a very small team. Now, if we were having this conversation a year ago, I had a team of eight. Um, I've realized I've kind of gotten a little bit away from my vision and my business vision. So uh, intentionally and purposely, I wanted to get leaner. So we've taken our team over the course of the last 12 months from eight people to four. And I have just three rock stars that I'm so blessed that do a lot of the heavy lifting as far as the lead processing, the acquisitions, dispositions, and the TC side of the business transaction coordination. Uh, but yeah, right now we're involved in four deals, uh, that we already have buyers on. Uh, one of the things, one of the tips I'll share with people is um, we just recently did this and I, I should have been doing it before, but do you ever get inspection reports on properties? Because we pretty much never did unless it was going to be like a rehab or something like that. If we were wholesaling it, we'd never pay the 250, 300 bucks for a licensed GC to go inspect the property. Yeah, sometimes it can be 400 bucks, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Sometimes it can be 400 bucks. Well, we, um, we have a property under contract that it's a pretty tight spread. We're going to make like $100 on it, which in our market for us, that's about a quarter of what we typically make. How much will you make? Uh, I didn't hear you. We're making 5,100 bucks on this deal. Got it. Yeah. Small deal. So we usually make somewhere between like 18 and 23 on a deal on average in South. Mm -hmm. Um, so this property is in disrepair. We just paid 275 bucks to have uh, a licensed general contractor go out there, provide us with a 20 to 30 page PDF. And the repair estimates came out just north of a hundred grand. Now, what'd you, what'd you guys guess it would be? Realistically, I think yeah. the experience can do it for probably 50 to 60. Okay. So but the, that the report number that, is, is that reports gunpowder. I love it. So go on. Bingo. I know what with this. So you do this, this sometimes too. It's great. 
So this particular, the reason we decided to go down this route to pay the 275 bucks, even though we already have going to make 1500, $5,100, um, the, the seller has an attorney and this attorney is very difficult. Can you hear me, David? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay, sorry. I just got an internet unstable message, but oh, you can hear me. Um, the seller has an attorney. This attorney has been extremely difficult for my transaction coordinator to deal with. And we knew that if we went back for a price reduction, uh, it wasn't going to work without any ammo. We needed a reason as to why we needed a price reduction. Here's the thing, because of COVID, the seller didn't disclose to us that the property has a pool. And when the inspector went out there, the, the pool is going to easily, easily take 15 to 20, 15 to 30 grand in repairs, right? If you wanted to like, see my cat jumping I up do see your cat <laughs> popping up back there. Bring the cat on the podcast. Yeah, dude. I don't know what's going on here, bro. So You're yeah, yeah go on. I'm listening. I'm listening. So man, the point is the seller didn't disclose several things to us. Um, the, the seller didn't want to allow us access to the property because of COVID. They didn't, they didn't feel comfortable. We tried every which to try to make them feel comfortable. We couldn't. So we find access to the property to do this inspection. And we discovered a lot that the seller didn't disclose. So we have plenty of leverage to reasonably go back for a price reduction. We're expecting to hear today, but I'm very confident. I wish I, I had the final result, but I don't. I'm very confident this inspection report that we paid $275 will easily get us a 10 to 20 discount on this property. 10 to $20,000. So now we're taking a small So you're spending 300 bucks to, you know, get a $10,000 discount on property. Or more. Or Or more. more. Yep. So, you know, one of my favorite strategies is to not even pay for the report and it's just to have the buyer do it. Right. Uh And then just take the report from the buyer straight to the seller and renegotiate based on their costs. Yeah. You know, and, but either way, sometimes getting the, getting that report is, is so valuable just because they're going to go through and they're going to, they're going to nickel and dime every two by four, every piece of drywall in there. That's that's their job. Right. And their, their job is to get you a report that's 50, 60 pages long. Right. And, um, you know, it's not to say that those things don't need to be done, but the cost to fix those is most likely going to be cheaper when you have your own guys doing it or your own crew, or you're able to manage the material costs, you know, so on and so forth. So Right, right. Absolutely love that strategy, Alex. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want, I want to highlight something. We, and there, I don't think there's a right or wrong. You, ha, you just have to figure out what works for you, David. But we've never been a company that goes back to get to renegotiate and retrade, as they say, or, or try to get a price reduction on every deal. We'll only do it if the seller didn't disclose something to us or a particular situation. I know plenty of guys that, and, and are we leaving money on the table by not going back and asking for price reductions? We probably are. But for us, we've just made a decision that, you know, there's only certain instances or circumstances in which we're going to go back and, and renegotiate. Um, and this was one of them that we felt comfortable doing so. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I feel the same way. You know, we'll go back and renegotiate if the seller leaves something out or doesn't disclose it. Or if the deal is just super, super thin for us right. and you know, we see some opportunity there. Exactly. At the end of the day, we still want to make it a win. And I know you do too. You exactly. still want to make it a win for the seller. Um, the buyer wouldn't, you know, is always seeing a win if they're sending offers, right? And you know, we're making a little bit in the middle. So I just, I love that, man. So you guys yep. got some wholesale deals under your belt. That's, um, let's talk a little bit real quickly about your virtual. So you're doing wholesaling in the market you live in, which is Miami, but you mentioned what's it Cincinnati or something like that? Or? No, Cleveland. There, so there's a particular, so one of the guys in my mastermind um, who I've become friends with has a very large uh, rental portfolio in a particular part of Cleveland. And um, you know, 
buying properties. I've looked here in South Florida. I wanted to build a rental portfolio here in South Florida. Dude, uh, a D area, which is basically like a war zone. You're dropping hundred grand on a house in just a horrible area, like horrible. Uh, Miami's just a little bit of a different market. You know yeah, what I so mean? It doesn't so, make sense. You can't get properties at 1% rule or it's, or, it's or very rate. difficult. It's yeah. very difficult. Now, post COVID that may change admittedly. Uh, but when I was looking a year, year and a half ago that those numbers didn't exist, man, it just didn't make sense to drop 200, 250 grand into a property that rents for 13, $1,400. At least for me, that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I, I launched a direct mail campaign. I, uh, I did some market research. I narrowed it down to three zip codes in a B neighborhood that I wanted to be in an area. Basically a B is an area that pretty much any of us would comfortably live in. We could walk down the street at night with our family, no problem at all. Um, and you know, when, when I, one of the, one of the biggest mistakes I made, David, and I think this will be valuable for anybody watching and listening. I've been in this game now, 15 years, the first probably 11 to 12 years, I got kind of addicted to the money that you can make in this business as a wholesaler. And yet I wasn't taking that cash and putting it into assets, right? And I know you, you've done a very good job of building your portfolio through the Burr strategy and the Burr method and all that. I didn't, I made that mistake where I was just wholesaling and wholesaling and wholesaling. You like Make to a, work. It's a lot of work. Now, Grant, <laughs> I, I built a team and I built the system, so I wasn't necessarily, but it's still a lot of work. I still yep. got to manage the team and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I finally just, you know, I got, I got wiser and um, I started taking a lot of that cash from the wholesaling business and I started buying properties uh, in a particular part of Cleveland. So, um, fortunately I have him as my boots on the ground. We're re- very, very good at marketing. So, um, check this out. Look how different, how markets operate so differently. So about a year and a half ago, we launched a direct mail campaign. It was about 7,000 postcards. I got four deals from that 7,000 postcard campaign. If I did 7,000 Miami, I would probably get nothing. It's just a different market. You know what I mean? Different seller, different, um, in Miami at that time, I would have had to send 50,000, hundred thousand postcards to possibly get four deals. Um, it's just that just a very different market. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I wholesaled some properties. I started building a, a small rental portfolio and now that's, uh, now that's something we're still doing. We're still looking for opportunities in that particular part of Cleveland. Hell yeah, man. I love it, man. The, the thing about wholesaling to me is it's a means to an end. I love it. I'll probably never stop doing it just because I can put, put together a team. You know, we're probably going to be expanding into some other markets here soon. But, uh, but really, though, it's a means to an end. It's a job. Um, it's a high-paying job. It's a fun job. I'm, I got an appointment today in an hour. Got to go pick up some permits this afternoon. I'm going to stop by one of the rehabs. So it's something that, I'm, that I yeah. enjoy doing, right? It's much better to me than, than having a boss and whatnot. But it's still a job, right? Like. Yeah. My boss is the sellers and the buyers. I got to keep everyone happy all the time. So it's, it's right. actually, in a way, I have 50 bosses. So do you, not one, right? Mm-hmm. But I like that approach better. Um, but again, it, it is a job. It's, it's a means to an end. And yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not the end all be all. At it's least not the for- end all be all, right. Like the flips are great too. And we don't even, you know, so like in St. Louis, you're, you're saying 18 to 23. You know, I'm, my team's probably averaging maybe seven or 8,000 average wholesale deal. So we're definitely a lot lower, but our cost to get a deal is a lot lower too. You're saying you have to send 50 to a hundred thousand postcards. You know, we got to send maybe, you know, two or 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, just kind of depends. Right. Yeah. That doesn't exist. But the, but the, the, the thing is though, is the, the cost of the properties that we're wholesaling sometimes are a lot lower. You know, we might Mm -hmm. be buying a property for 20, 30, 40 grand. 
So in terms of the percentages that yeah. we're able to mark it up, it's pretty relative. Yeah, those, it's super you know, relative. Out in, in Arizona or Southern California or New Jersey, for example, that house may be 400 grand that they're buying, 500 grand. So for them to make a 30 or $40,000 profit, the percentages are relatively the same. It's very difficult to make 18 grand on a house you buy for 18 grand. Right. It could be done, but it, you know, it's a lot more difficult. So we do, we do more deals, but the, the spreads are a little less over here. on mm -hmm. our, But that's why I love the, the, the fact that we can market direct to the seller. It's a means to an end for me to get a property that I'm going to enjoy fixing up with my team or a property that I can rent out and I can make some long-term wealth, some passive income. To yeah. me, appreciation in my market is just kind of icing on the cake. I don't bank on it. You know, so no, you don't want to bank around the country or buying. I had a guy on the show yesterday, Alex, and they're getting negative, having a negative ROI on their on their return, like on their, their negative cash flow, but they're banking on appreciation. I would never do that in my market. Maybe in yeah. your market you would. It's a little different, but never would I do that. It's always bought yeah. for cash flow, and if we can make appreciation along the way, great. At the end of the day, though, the game is somebody else is paying off the debt, you yeah. know, so you're building wealth slowly. You're not paying taxes on the wealth you're building. You only pay taxes on the income. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would I wake up every day and focus on more income if I have to just pay more tax? Yeah. Instead, I'd rather have more assets that other people are paying off. I mean, it's just, it's just a no brainer to me. Yeah. People listening, they just need to ask, start with the end in mind. That's advice mm -hmm. that was given to me by a coach many, many years ago. Figure out what you want, why you want it, and then reverse engineer the process of the quickest path and the quickest way to get there. You know, so uh, for most of us, wholesaling, it's a transactional business. It's, it's a high paying job. It's a means to an end. It's not the end all be all, but figure out what you ultimately want. And then it's, it's clear design a plan to help you get there. I love it, man. I love it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your business, about your team, about some of the deals that you're doing. Um, where can people find you? Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your social media channels as well as the mastermind. I'm curious to hear how that's going. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So you mentioned at the top of the show, I also host a podcast called the Flip Empire Show, which is really a passion project. Absolutely love it. Been doing it uh, four years now, uh, do two episodes a week. How many so episodes if, uh, you guys got out? 400 and probably 420 or Damn, so. You guys are double. There. This is episode 179, I think, give or take. Dude, that's so, amazing. Yeah, that's you know, good I, it, it's crazy. I, I was on Facebook Live this morning and I read some stat that most podcasts like die after like the sixth or seventh show because, brother, it's, it's, it takes. It takes, a, yeah, it takes a lot of plugging away at it to get it, to get, to get it up and running, man. I think I might have lost you. Oh. Can you hear me? There you go. You're back. I got you. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, it, it, it takes a lot of consistency. And uh, by the way, if you lose me again, let me know because I think my internet's having some issues here. You're good. Um, but yeah, man. So 400 something episodes, by the way, I don't know if you saw Joe Rogan, $100 million contract to move exclusively over to Spotify, the top podcaster out there. So there, there's something to this, man. I think that's, uh, there's going to be ripple effects for a lot of content creators, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, so the Flip Empire Show, if you guys head over to flipempire.com forward slash podcast, you can subscribe there. And then you mentioned the, uh, the mastermind. You know, I've, I've derived so many benefits and so many connections from just masterminds and coaches I've been a part of that about a year ago, I got together with a really good friend of mine, Steve Cavanaugh. Steve's a great guy. I've met Steve several times, interviewed He's an him awesome several guy. times. Great guy, man. Really, really like Steve. Thank He's you. Man. Yeah, guy to, to awesome dude. Awesome dude. 
we, we put together Ascend, which essentially is a mastermind and coaching community for entrepreneurs, essentially, that want to ascend their life and their business. So um, that's going amazing. We're uh, basically full at capacity. And it's, uh, that's really, David, where my joy and fulfillment comes from. It's from getting to work with the entrepreneurs we do. Real estate is a vehicle. It's a tool. There's really not even an emotional connection to us closing deals. It's great because we're helping sellers and buyers and the money we make, but um, it's not what really fills my cup. What fills my cup is the podcast and pouring into people's lives. I love it, man. I agree. So that's, that's the Ascend Mastermind. Yeah. So ascendyoursuccess.com if you have any Ascendyoursuccess.com. And then the Flip Empire Show. Yeah. Yes, sir. Guys, you got to check it out. I've listened to several podcasts um, that Alex has done. Great podcast hosts. Great content. So definitely go check that out. Uh, where would we find you on your socials? Yeah. So uh, let me see at Alex Pardo 25 on Instagram um, forward slash Alex Pardo 15 on Facebook. And uh, what else? And then uh, YouTube.com forward slash Alex Pardo. How's YouTube coming along? You having some success, some success yeah. over there? Honestly, no. And that's because I recently launched this. So man, uh, uh, so if I could rewind the clock when I launched the podcast, I would have done video and audio like you're doing now. The first 300 plus episodes, it was just audio. So I never even thought to like, uh, it's just a dumb mistake. Yeah. So, you know, YouTube's t it's a tough beast, man. To get subscribers on YouTube is much harder than to get followers on any other platform, in my opinion. I would agree. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that you're doing these in video and audio now and getting them yeah. up on both channels, you know? Yep, exactly. You probably get about 25% of our listens, or I should say views, however you want to look at it, from yeah, uh, the video channels. That's fantastic. Versus, How long have you been doing YouTube? Uh, say that again? How long have you been doing YouTube? You know, I, my personal YouTube is kind of new. I only have like maybe 1,900 subscribers on my personal, um, but I've been pushing it hard for like the last month or two. Good for you, man. Um, and then the podcast YouTube's probably got 800 or 900. And we've, been, we've never not done video. I mean, I've probably done two or three podcasts in my entire life that were just audio. Um, all of it typically is, is video as well. Smart um, man. So, you know, we, we've got a ton of content out there, which is great yeah. on, on both channels. But uh, yeah, YouTube is tough, man. It's a, it's a different beast out there. But, it, it you know, is. consistency, just like anything, just like our marketing, just like our deals, you know, consistency yeah. and uh, just putting it up. And you know what I want to encourage people to do, man, as we start to kind of wind down here, you're watching this, you're listening to this, you're, you're very unique, right? You have a voice, you have a message, share it with people, share you know, because you, you can help others. And I find so many people are, uh, don't put themselves out there on social media when they have content that they want to share their truth because of they're scared or they're insecure or they're, or they're fearful of how they might come across. And look, um, I would challenge you to get past that. And it's easier said than done, but share your truth, you know, share, share that your message because, uh, because there's only one of you. So great content has so many advantages. So like yeah. one of the things about a podcast, Alex, let's switch gears here for just a second. But one of the things about the podcast that I absolutely love is it's a Trojan horse. I learned this from Mitch Steven. Are you familiar with Mitch? Yeah. Yeah. A thousand right. houses. Down, yep. Down in San Antonio. Great guy. Took me on his, on his ranch and we went boar hunting and, um, he basically taught me how to monetize the podcast, which is, which is slow, but it's starting to work and it's great. But um, one of the things that he had taught me is it's a Trojan horse. And what he meant by that is, you know, 
you typically aren't going to be able to get on the phone with 30, for 30 minutes to an hour with people that I'm interviewing or that you're interviewing. You know, if you call them enough, of course, you're going to be able to get them, but are they going to want to talk to you? Are they going to want to open up and tell you about their business? No, they're going to want to charge you typically, right? They're going to want to get you in the program or whatever, which is totally fine. Time is money. I have my own program, right? Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can interview people on a podcast. So I highly encourage everyone to, to podcast, right? You can interview people and you can get a free coaching session with these people. <laughs> so I got 175 episodes and I look at it like I've got 175 people that have given me 30 minutes to an hour of their time to coach me on what I'm doing compared to what they're doing, what's working oh, for yeah. them, you know, how they structure their organization. I mean, it's the value that you can create for yourself, but also share with others is immense. It's amazing. No, so. no, there's so many benefits to podcasting. That's just one of them. And the ability to expand your network, it's almost like an easy button to be able to connect with people that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have had a chance to connect with. Absolutely. And, you know, just to learn about other markets around the country mm -hmm. and what people are doing. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Alex, yep. thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Go check mm -hmm. out Alex on his socials. Go check out the Flip, the Flip Empire Show and AscendYourSuccess.com. That's the mastermind. Yep. Alex is good people. I love having him on the show. I'm grateful for your time this morning. Alex, any parting words for the listeners, the audience, the viewers? Yeah, guys, get, get clear on the vision that you have for your life. That's, the found, that's like a foundation to a house to me. Get clear on what you want for your life and then design a business to support that lifestyle. So many people have that reverse, David. They're always hustling and grinding and deal chasing and money and then life is being sacrificed. The work that we do within Ascend always starts with the vision for your life and then build the business to support the lifestyle, not the other way around. Man, I love it. It's so true. Build, just, I love it. I can't even repeat what you said exactly with the work because it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you, bro. All right, guys, signing off. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.